the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Woohoo! Welcome to today's show. Today we have an amazing guest. Uh, but I want you to make sure you hang out for the latter part of the show as we continue in our study in Daniel chapter 7. And I believe it's so apropos for now. But without further ado, we have Cyril Gordon. Cyril, thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you don't mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into our Q&A. Yeah, I'm from a Jewish background. Uh, my mom's an Egyptian Jew. My dad's a French Jew. And I was raised in Reformed Judaism in San Francisco and uh, started searching in college for the truth. Got into all kinds of cults and New Age and uh, Judaism, but only found true peace when I discovered who Jesus really is, thanks to someone's witness and dreams and visions, and came to faith in him in 1993. 1993. Praise the Lord. So when you came to faith in 1993, prior to that, did did you actually believe in God or did you not believe in God? Uh, I At the time, I was a modern Orthodox Jew. I was trying to follow the law for righteousness and seeking God. Uh, uh, I knew I was a sinner, but Fasting uh, uh, on Yom Kippur once in a year wasn't cutting it. I knew I was missing something. And uh, so, yeah, I did believe in God, and uh, I was seeking Him. So uh, let me ask you a question uh, before we get into our next part of the questioning. Um, so you, were, you grew up in a Jewish home. Your mom and uh, father were both Jewish, but it wasn't something for you. I mean, obviously Jesus wasn't in the home, um, how did you know something was kind of missing? Well, uh, you know, I, re- I was starting to read the Bible, uh, and I, I saw how God had an intimate relationship with my forefathers. He spoke to King David and the prophets and Moses, as I'm speaking to you, and I wasn't seeing that anywhere. I wasn't seeing that in my life. Um, where was the living God of Israel was my question. So... That question that you had, where was the living God? What happened, and, and how did you come to saving knowledge of Yeshua, of the Messiah? Well, at a difficult time in my life, when I was at UC Santa Barbara, I was about to graduate, and I, I got into a unhealthy relationship with a young lady, and she got pregnant and had an abortion, and I was really depressed. And um, I went to the desert by myself to cry out to God. And in his mercy, he showed me a vision in the clouds of a roadway to heaven and Jesus. And I didn't understand what the vision meant. Uh, But I know now that God was trying to show me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Ah, that's powerful. So did you actually see what Jesus looked like in the clouds? Uh, No, it was was, um, uh, like the clouds were shaped into him. Uh, There was no skin color or eye color. Uh, I saw a man with a beard and a crown of thorns around his head. Oh, you saw the crown of thorns? Yeah. So that was awakening. That was a, you couldn't confuse at that point who the Messiah was. Right. Well, crying out to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then this guy like Jesus shows up. I was confused. I I didn't see him as the Messiah right there. What that vision did was inspire me to look into Jesus more deeply, and I started reading New Testaments, asking people questions, just grabbing everything I can about Jesus. 
and and that's how you began to grow in your walk. So, well, did, well, no, I wasn't. I was not a. I did not I had not given my life to Jesus at that time. I was seeking who He is, and it took it took four years until I finally met a true Christian who pointed me to the right Jesus because I kept getting the wrong Jesus in my search. So, I I read a little bit about your bio that you ended up in Israel for a little while. Yeah, after I came to faith, uh, I got discipled in Hawaii for two years, and then uh, moved to Israel, became a citizen, and did evangelism out there for two years. So you lived in Hawaii. We, we have a yeah. lot. We're having, we, we just started uh, having a, an audience in Hawaii because we're broadcasting to Hawaii. What island did you live on Hawaii? I was on Oahu for a little while, and then almost two years on the Big Island. Did Did you go to church while you were in Hawaii? Oh yeah, that's when I plugged into a church on the Big Island, the Calvary Community Church. Wow, how was that? I mean, your life is changing. You're growing. You're 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 you now know Jesus. How was that going to uh, a Gentile church? Well, it was difficult. I, uh, I got to be honest. Uh, you know, a lot of Christians kept trying to tell me that I'm not Jewish anymore because I believe in Jesus. And I just did not get a witness to that. Um, in fact, I, I had I ran into replacement theology in some churches. It was very disappointing. Um, uh, and I, all kinds of churches were thinking that they were the Jews and, and I wasn't a Jew anymore. It was there was a lot of confusion out there. Believe me. I can only imagine. So. After that, you moved to Israel. Yeah. And, and how, did, how did that grow your faith? I mean, because um, there, there is a, a population of Christians now in Israel, more Christian churches than there's ever been. But how did that work out for you? Well, God gave me a, a burden to people. You know, I, uh, the gospel is just not going out to the Jewish people like it should be. And... Uh, and so I made myself available to be uh, involved in direct Jewish evangelism, and were better to do that than in Israel. And so uh, that's what I did for two years. I worked with the uh, cutting-edge, uh, frontline uh, evangelist in Israel, and got to share uh, a lot with many of my Jewish people about Jesus. Uh, were you able to ever uh, uh, explain the gospel to to some of the people in Israel where they came to saving knowledge of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. We saw, I saw at least uh, two dozen Jews come to faith while I was there. Wow, praise God. So then you moved back to the States. Yeah. Um, did you join any organizations, or did you just continue on your walk, or what happened? Well, uh, the Lord put a burden on my heart to get people, get you know, get the Word of God out there, because... When I was searching, I kept getting the wrong Jesus because I was reading extra-biblical stuff. But it wasn't until I started reading the New Testament that I started to see the real Jesus. And my Jewish people, they don't read the New Testament. And so I had a real burden to get a New Testament in their hand and let them know that this is a Jewish book. Uh, and so Amen. I started doing that in, in Jerusalem. I started giving out Hebrew New Testaments in the streets. And that went really well. And so I brought that back to the States and started making uh, English New Testaments available in San Francisco, where I grew up, for three years. And I sort of ran my own ministry. Uh, then from there, I got married to a Jewish believer named Rhonda. And a year after that, we plugged in with an international ministry to the Jews called Jews for Jesus. And I stayed with them for 19 years. Uh, doing ministry in L.A. to Jewish people, and then switched to uh, Jewish Outreach International four years ago, and that's who I'm doing uh, evangelism with now in, in the Los Angeles area. Wow. How is that coming along in the Los Angeles area? That's a pretty rough area to, I mean, to even evangelize, especially with the direction of Los Angeles and all of its uh, authoritarian uh, stuff that's going on there. Yeah, well, with all my experience, uh, the Lord's put me right in the heart of the enemy's camp at Venice Beach, uh, second, mo second most visited place in California behind Disneyland. 
Uh, you get thousands of people from all over the world that stroll up and down the walkway there every day. A lot of Israelis go there. And that's my place. I go there on a regular basis with a ministry team that I've trained. And now we're even starting to go to the Huntington Beach Pier, uh, making New Testaments available in English, Spanish, and Hebrew. Oh, that is awesome. So, you know, with all everything going on in Israel right now with, with uh, you know, Hamas, uh, and of course, Hamas is a word that means terror, means violence. Um, how, has that affected your ministry in any way, um, especially on the streets of L.A. and now uh, Santa Monica, like you were saying? Well, it's interesting because we actually wave the Israeli flag from our canopy in Venice Beach for the nation of Israel. And with with all the tension, uh, we were actually advised by some to not do that anymore. Well, we follow the Lord. We don't follow fear. We continue to wave our Israeli flag at Venice despite the war. And interestingly enough, we've been having Muslims coming to our table wanting to know more about Jesus. Really? It's amazing. We, uh, you know, it's, it's totally blowing me away. Wow. Praise God for that. So what do you think about, about what's going on in Israel? I, I mean, it, uh, obviously it was the most horrific sick, immoral um, act that Hamas did with all the civilians that uh, that it attacked and, you know, killed and and beheaded and just it was an atrocity. Um, how do you look at that right now, Cyril? Uh, well, I, I, I try to look at the big picture and the Bible gives us the big picture um, since the beginning, the enemy of our soul, the evil one, has been trying to wipe out the Jewish people uh, because he knows that they are God's billboard and that the Lord uses this for his purposes. Uh, he used the Jewish people to bring us the Bible, to bring us uh, the Messiah, and uh, to spread the gospel throughout the world. So the enemy is, is, uh, uh, has, from the beginning wanted the destruction of the Jewish people. Uh, but we read in Jeremiah 31, 34, that nothing's going st- to destroy the nation of Israel, that God is going to preserve them till the end. And uh, even though we've had empires try to wipe us out throughout the ages, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, uh, the, the Nazis, and now we have Islam trying to destroy us out. So that spirit of uh, uh, anti that has, uh, you know, that wants to murder the Jews, rearing up its ugly head now. That's what we're seeing. And uh, so I'm not surprised. Uh, but, and on one level, I am actually rejoicing because when this kind of attack happens to my Jewish people, that means the enemy's trying to stop something. Uh, I believe he does get glimmers into the future, and something good is about to happen. And I think he's trying to throw a wrench into it. Wow, I, I like what you said. I, I personally believe is that we're about to have one of the greatest outpourings, but that's to be seen, and I, I'm praying that God just blesses us with that. So, hey, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas, and I have an incredible guest today, uh, today Cyril Gordon, and um, he's Jewish, and he's from the land. He's God's, God's chosen, but he still knows that we need Jesus, in order to enter into the kingdom of God. So here's my next question. So, um, you know, pretty soon you're about to, uh, on the 26th uh, of this month of November, at both of our services at At the Cross, you're going to do a cedar for the church. Um, Actually, for the second service, first service, you're going to basically share your uh, full testimony, but... Can you tell our audience what what the what cedar means and what it is? Yeah, it's actually a Passover seder, and uh, uh, what it is, it's it's a window into the Last Supper. You know, Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples when he ushered in the new covenant and communion, and uh, it's a window into that, that tradition that obviously has changed over time. But there are some some traditions in that. Uh, say in that Seder that we believe Jesus did that we still do. And uh, 
Jesus used this tin uh, to uh, reveal who he is and uh, to bring us a new covenant and uh, to uh, uh, show um, uh, his, his plan for entity. Amen. Amen. We're having a little difficulty with your phone. I, I don't know if you're uh, if you're moving it around, but um, um, we want to make sure that our audience gets at this whole thing. So tell me a little bit about some of the meaningful stuff about the cedar. I mean, I, I know that um, there's some elements that are involved in. And can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, there's six food elements uh, in the Passover Seder. And what they are is they're used to help tell the story of how God delivered my Jewish people from hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. Uh, and uh, uh, so after the story, the Bible are taking these elements to remind us of the suffering, to remind us of the deliverance, to remind us uh, uh, of what God did to set these people free to come into the plan. He basically kept to uh, Jacob, and that was, you know, I'm, I'm sending you to Egypt, but eventually I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. And so that's what the holiday is mainly about, is the fulfillment of uh, promise that God, God always keeps his promises. So what are those six elements? Well, you've got the uh, the parsley stems, which symbolize uh, 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 life, and it's dipped into salt water, which symbolizes tears. And we dip it in into the salt water, and we lift it out of the water and make tears to remind us that a life of slavery is a life of tears. Uh, we eat ground horseradish to remind us that slavery is a bitter life. We... Um, we have a, a lamb bone there to remind us uh, of the lamb uh, uh, that had to be sacrificed by the Hebrew people and the blood placed on the doorposts of our houses that would protect us from the angel of death that came to slay the firstborn. Uh, one of the ten plagues poured out on the Egyptians because the Pharaoh would not let the Hebrew people go, and God had to pour out ten plagues on Egypt. So these are, remember, the ten plagues. Uh, there's uh, an egg that reminds us of the destruction of the second temple. There is uh, haroset, an apple mixture that reminds us of the mortar that we had to make for hundreds of years as slaves and to remind us of the promise that God made to eventually deliver us. So, And then you had the matzah, of course, the unleavened bread that we eat at Passover and the grape juice. Uh, which, uh, which reminds us of the uh, the blood of the lamb, et cetera, et cetera. I love it. You know, one of the things that 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 I love is, which is very prophetic, is is the is the bone of the lamb. Now, tell us why that is so prophetic. Well, the lamb bone um, uh, reminds us that uh, God requires the blood of blood for forgiveness of sin. Uh, Leviticus 17.11, the life of a creature is in the blood, and I've given you on the altar to make atonement for your soul. Without the sacrifice according to God's way, uh, there's no forgiveness of sin. And uh, you know this reminds us of the many sacrifices that my Jewish people had to make at the temple for the, for the nation of Israel and individuals, and of course it reminds us how Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So uh, uh, this unfortunately is no longer taught to my Jewish people. They're taught that if you fast and pray on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement once a year, you're good to go and you're forgiven. But uh, unfortunately that's not what God instructed. He said you have to have a blood atonement. Amen. And, and what is the blood? Where does the blood atonement come from, Cyril? Well, it comes from the the scriptures. I just uh, quoted Leviticus seventeen eleven, and we also read uh, 
that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Amen. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. You know, I love it because um, the of a kind, the same kind, it had to be a human who eventually would be able to literally lay down his life and then that blood cleanse us. And, and, and that's beautiful because the, the blood of animals was never sufficient. Now, one, the, the bone was never, ever, ever broken in, uh, in the, uh, in the Seder because of, is that because of Psalms 22? Uh, well, a prophecy, there's a prophecy that says that none of the bones of the Messiah would be broken. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that is beautiful because none of his bones were ever broken. That's beautiful. That just says it all. And God's word is always so accurate and perfect. Now, currently, you're, you talked a little bit about what you do. You're a missionary now, not just to the Jewish people, but to all people. You said you've been having a, an influx of, of Muslims with, while you're keeping the Jewish flag up. Um, what else does that entail when you're out on the streets? Well, um, we set up a table with the free Bibles, and people come to us all day long. We don't go out and get anyone. They come to our table and take a free Bible, and then we offer to pray for them and to share the gospel with them. And some people are ready to give their life to God out there and then. And uh, you're right. We actually primarily reach the masses, uh, but we do specialize in reaching the Jewish people. And uh, the beauty is that, like I said, uh, uh, and like you mentioned, a lot of the Lord is bringing a lot of Muslims to our table uh, who are getting the gospel and are amazed that there's Jews out there that care about their spiritual well-being. Uh, now, we have Jews and Gentiles that serve at that table. We're like a great picture of the body of Christ. And uh, so, yeah, God is using this ministry in amazing ways. Amen. Praise the Lord. I mean, that's that's putting in work for the Lord. Now, with everything going on, how, again, no one knows the day of, of, of the Lord's coming. Do you think that is near? And tell us why. Well, I see the, the you know, things coming to a culmination. Uh, you know, I, rem- I often refer to Zechariah chapter 12, a uh, prophecy that has not been fulfilled. I see it in the making, and that is when all the nations will come against Jerusalem. And we're seeing that now. You know, the United Nations is against Israel. Many nations are against Israel. And unfortunately, I believe the United States is going to turn against us eventually, too. And during this difficult time is when uh, the Lord fights for Israel. Uh, The Word of God says that God is going to pour out a spirit of grace and supplication on the, the Jews that are left, and they shall look upon him who pierced and weep. And I believe that's when they will see who Jesus really is. And at that point, they'll call on him, and the Lord will come down and fight for Israel and destroy all the nations that come against them. It says their eyes will melt in their sockets and their tongues will melt in their mouths. Uh, this is the day of the Lord, and uh, um, I can't say when it's going to happen, but I definitely can see that it, it's 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 getting it's being prepared. Amen. You know, you said something really amazing out of Zechariah twelve ten, where it says, "I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications." This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah speaking, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Isn't that powerful? Yahweh, right. Jehovah, saying they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Wow. Right, right. Th- that yep. is powerful. It's coming. It's right around the corner. Amen. Cyril, thank you again for being on the show today, and we're so much looking forward to having you do the Seder at our church on November 26th at the 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. service. And that is going to be at At the Cross Church in Oceanside, California. 
The address is 2112 South El Camino. We love you. Again, Cyril Gordon, thank you for being here. And praise God. And we are praying for Israel. In Jesus' name, we'll be right back. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the Strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.com. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. We just had an incredible man, a Jewish man um, who has a Jewish mom and a Jewish father, so he's full Jewish. And we talked a little bit about our days that we're living in now. And so this next part of the message is so April because it's fantastic and we can see it actually coming to pass. Today we are in Daniel chapter 7 and we continue our journey with, excuse me, with this man that God used powerfully, powerfully because he made himself available to God and he was willing to seek him with his whole heart And that's what we should be doing. I know things are difficult and I know time. I know there are times when we just want to throw in the towel because God isn't doing what we want him to do, but God always works it out for his purpose and he's in charge and he knows what he's doing. And I'm going to tell you today that God is good and he's good all the time. And as we start Daniel chapter seven, it is good for us to know that that, uh, you know, from, from chapter 1 to chapter 6, Daniel actually describes, um, you know, the, his times when he served under these kings. And then when we get to chapter 7, chapter 7 is, is an unusual chapter. And what I mean by that is between Daniel chapter 7 and 12, these are visions that Daniel had during the time that he reigned with these other, other kings. But we know that chapter uh, seven actually took took place between chapters four and five. And let me tell you why. Because when we start chapter seven, Belteshazzar is still alive. So that means that when he had this dream was during the reign of Belteshazzar. Because in chapter five, we see Belteshazzar was slain and Chapter 5, verse 30. So when we get to chapter 7, it's it's a dream that he had during the reign of Belteshazzar. And here we go. It starts off like this. In the first year of Belteshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. He wrote what he had dreamed And this is what he's telling us about what he dreamed. Verse two says this, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my visions by night and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Now it's interesting for us to look at this chapter and traditionally a lot of scholars and even pastors have believed that at this point, he's just, reiterating the dream that he had or that Nebuchadnezzar had when he saw the statue in the four kingdoms that were before him at that place. But it would seem redundant uh, in this dream to go back and say, now I had a dream that confirmed the first dream. This dream looks like it's a dream in the future, a dream 
that I look at and many others, even scholars and a lot of pastors, see as now, as times that are happening now. And let me tell you why, because when he sees these winds, these four winds of heaven, they're they're stroving upon the great sea. It's something that he sees that is happening now immediately and that they are doing it together, not in order like the first kingdom that was the Nebuchadnezzar kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, and then the Mez and the Persians. Because when he had this dream, Babylon was about to literally seize as being a nation because the Meds and the Persians were about to conquer them. If you remember, Belteshazzar was the last king in Babylon that was slain by the Meds and the Persians in chapter 5 of this book. So it appears, and at least to me and others, that he's speaking about a future uh, future four kingdoms that were going to be arising and that they were going to be striving at the same time, these four winds. Now, verse three says this, the four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. See, again, we look at it and it sees that they came up at the same time. There were coexisting kingdoms um, striving with each other, like the four winds. And especially like now in these last Days that we are living in, and as we go further into it, we'll see it. But um, it shows clearly that these kingdoms were still future because uh, later on in 717, Daniel says this, These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which will rise up out of the earth. You know, and there are kingdoms that were going to rise out of the earth, earth in the future, not during uh, the the reign of Babylon, which is about to be conquered, then of course you know the Medo Persian, the Medo Persians, and then uh, and then the Greeks, and then of course the Romans. This is something that he's looking into the future because they're striving against each other, and these are kingdoms that rose from the earth. And so when he says the Great Sea, he's he's perhaps looking at the Mediterranean Sea, but he's actually in seventeen says. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which will rise out of the earth, like their future four kingdoms that are coming out. Not that one kingdom was about to be done, and then it was still, these are four kingdoms that still had um, their future coming. And then there's another verse that represents uh, the fourth kingdom, which was slain actually before the three other kingdoms or before the three other kings or leaders, in 7, 11 to 12, it says this, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spoke, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, see, the fourth beast got slain before the three other kingdoms, the three other kings. They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged. Listen, were prolonged for a season and a time. So no doubt he's speaking about four future kingdoms. And it looks like we're there now that he was having this dream. And it was a dream that had a lot to do with our time now, because look at verse four, verse four says, the first was like a lion and had Eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was, given to it. So, you know, now, and of course, when we look at this verse, we all know that the British kingdom is, is always looked upon a lion. And when you look at America, it's looked upon like an eagle. And it makes perfect sense because it talks about its wings being plucked out. And what I wanted to include in this is in the last days, we see that England and and of course United States are going to back off from from having Israel's back or being there for Israel. And it's very clear when you read Ezekiel chapter 38. Now, right now he's the United States and England still are kind of having Israel Israel's back and 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 are still there for them. And you know, we have ships in the Mediterranean, we have men on the ground. But something recently happened. Again, I don't know if this is Ezekiel 38 
that is taking place right now in Israel, but it definitely could turn into that. Right now, it doesn't look like it because the U.S. is going to be out of it. And when you read Ezekiel 38 is where we get this study from. Ezekiel 38 says this, 38.10, Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into my mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. These are these countries that are coming up against Israel. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take spoil and to take prey, to turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are upon, that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan and merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Thou art come to take the spoil? They're sitting back. They're not participating now. And again, Sheba and Dedan are perhaps um, some smaller Muslim um, nations that are, I mean, I don't even know who they could, it could probably, it could probably be, be uh, um, you know, any of those nations that are oil-rich nations that do not want to get involved because of their commerce. But when you look at Tarshish with all the young lions thereof, Shosanti, are thou come to take a spoil? Has thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver, gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? They somehow back off. They're not part of it. And then when you go back to Daniel, we see that as Daniel is having this dream, the lion, which I believe represents England and the eagle, which represents America. And again, I told you why I believe this, and because it, they can't be this other kingdoms that were um, the, of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw of those four kingdoms, because these are future. And we can see that they rose out of the king in 11 and 12 of, of seven, tell us that the fourth king died before the three other kings. So as we continue, we know that these people backed off now. What's interesting to know when we read Ezekiel chapter 38 is that Tarshish um, was uh, a grandson of Javan. And we can see that in Genesis 4. Now, Javan was the ancestor of the Greeks. And Tarshish's name seems to have migrated still further west. And uh, uh, we associate them with the Phoenicians and again, Tarshish and the young lions, therefore, would represent nations of, of the Jephthites, which would mean, again, primarily the European nations such as England, um, uh, Spain, uh, Portugal. Now, what's really amazing about this, um, they literally believe that Tarshish was either Spain, Portugal, or England at that time. And, of course... Uh, it's young lions primarily settled the Americas. And so it makes sense that we see now, and especially if you look at the news yesterday, uh, Mr. Uh, Joe Biden, who right now is in so much trouble because of all the checks that he received that they know now from China is in a mess. But he's saying he's now telling the Israelites to back off, stop their invasion on Gaza and paused for a minute. I don't really know where that's going to go. And I don't really know if that's Ezekiel 38, but I can tell you this, that it can turn instantly. And when we go back to Daniel chapter 10, we, de- we do see how it makes sense, how its wings it's, are torn off. And, and again, some people believe that this is probably that uh, the planes aren't taken off that uh, from England, from America, or they decided not to... Uh, use them or perhaps they've been bombed or something happened. But it's interesting when we look at it from this viewpoint, uh, five says this and behold, another beast, a second, like a bear. And it raised up itself on its side and it had three ribs on the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they say thus unto it arise, devour much flesh. Now, when I see that, and again, uh, along with a bunch of other scholars and pastors, they see Russia there, you know, what represents Russia the bear, the bear. And, you know, the three ribs, of, of course, could be any of its little nations that it has conquered. Right now, it's, it's, in the, it's in the phase of trying to conquer Ukraine, but we'll see what happens with that. Now, some people believe that these three ribs 
could possibly be Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia. We don't know, but we know that it's it's devoured. It's always devoured. You know that at one point Russia owned had conquered half the world, which is interesting when you look at it. And it says this, and it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, thus unto it arise, devour much flesh. Again, at one point, Russia um, was the dominant country in the world and, and owned half the world, had conquered half the world. At one point in its lifetime, Russia did this. And what's interesting right now is that Russia does have ships, does have a naval in the Mediterranean Sea. So again, as we read and we continue in verse 6, it says this, And this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given into it. Now, this is mind-boggling. You know that right now China has, as well, also has naval ships in the Mediterranean Sea, and they're now backing Hamas. So again, things can flip really quick. I'm not saying this is Ezekiel 38, but it can turn very fast. Uh, Daniel is having this vision, and he sees these four kingdoms in the future. And again, it's backed up that these four kingdoms in, are in the future from uh, the same chapter, verses 11, 12, and this verse 17. Now, when when you see that it has four wings of a fowl and a beast, also four heads and a dominion was given to it, it's interesting because, um, you know, India could get involved, Indonesia can get in, involved, and maybe some of the other nations that can get involved in this war. This war could be could turn into chaos right now. I don't know if your life is right with Jesus, but right now it's time to get right. This is no joke what's taking place in the Middle East right now. You know, it is full-on war right now, full-on war. And again, we get back to verse 7. It says this, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, what is happening now is we know that there's a world alliance that's trying to form. And, of course, we know that there's, there will be an Antichrist that eventually reigns out of this fourth kingdom. But it's interesting when we look at it because I don't know if you know, but you can go to the website of, of the UN and you can see there that they actually have the world divided into ten kingdoms. And that's mind-boggling when you see that because Daniel uh, was writing this and John actually spoke about this as well in Revelations chapter 13. But as we go on, it says, I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn before them whom there was three of the first horns plucked by the roots. And behold, in this horn was eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. Wow, things are heating up. In Revelation 13, 11 to 13, I want you to, to, to know what it says because it's important to see what Scripture says. And as I go there, thank you for tuning in with Freedom with Adam Riojas, and we are looking at verse by verse, and we're seeing actually what the Bible says, not a bunch of commentaries. We're looking at Scripture, and we're looking at what the Bible says. Again, when we look at that verse in, in verse 8 in Revelations 13 and 11 to 13, 13, 11 to 13 says this, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and it caused the earth, and then that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, this fourth kingdom can very well be that the kingdom that the Antichrist decides to say, I'm God, after three and a half years once the tribulation starts. But it's interesting when you look at it like that, because we see this happening. It was a dreadful dream that Daniel had. Verse 9 says this, And I beheld to the thrones were cast down, 
And the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels burning like fire. The ancient of days. This is the only place in in the whole entire Bible where God the Father is known as the ancient of days. And it is beautiful. Yet it also describes Jesus um, when you look at Revelations 1, 13 to 15. But let's go further because remember, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit is one God. And so as we go into verse 10, it says this, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered unto him. Woo! Praise the Lord. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him and judgment was set in the book's we're open. That's the perfect scene in heaven. Revelations 5, 10, Revelations 20, 11, and 15. So it does look like that last kingdom. 11 says this, And I beheld them because of the voice of the great to which the horn spake. And I beheld even till the beast was slain. And his body destroyed and was given to the burning flame. There is no doubt in my heart and mind as I read this, that this person is the end is the Antichrist because this man is the only man that's actually cast into the lake of fire in Revelations chapter 20. Look what it says. With body destroyed and given to the burning flame, the lake of fire, what Revelation describes as, as the lake of fire where you burn. He's actually the first person ever cast into it. 12 says, and as concerning the rest of the beast, look, he is slain. The fourth beast is slain, but the third are still leaving. So we have to match a scripture with scripture. It says, as concerning the rest of the beast, the fourth has been slain. The three are still alive. The three kings, as concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. A season and a time is for three and a half more years. It's describing the end times. It's describing the tribulation. Look what 13 says. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Who's the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven? Jesus. Jesus came to the Ancient of Days. Here you have a picture of the Father, the Ancient of Days, the only place where it's mentioned three times in this chapter in the entire Bible, Ancient of Days. The other places are in verse 22. And they brought him near before him. They brought Jesus to the Father. The angels brought Jesus to the Father, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people and nations and language should serve him. Woo! Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Listen, the world is in chaos right now. I want you to go back over this, and I want you to see that Daniel was having this dream in the future, and I believe he's looking at the four kingdoms now. I believe there was three kingdoms or four kingdoms that will, will exist during the tribulation. The seven-year tribulation matches perfectly. You know, it matches perfectly with, with England and America and them doing nothing from staying back and just doing nothing. Then, of course, the bear of Russia and, of course, you know, the leopard, China. I mean, it's the picture is there. And, and it could very well turn into Ezekiel 30, 38. I'm not saying that what's happening in Ezekiel 38. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm saying that Daniel had this vision and he's looking into the future and he's seeing this taking place. And he sees, he goes past what it is now and he looks into the fourth kingdom and he sees the Antichrist thrown into the lake of fire. Then he sees Jesus being brought to the Father and the kingdom being given to him and dominion and glory were given to him and all the people and nations and language should serve him. He has an everlasting dominion. If you're concerned with what's happening now, if you're afraid, if you don't know if you died today, if something just got crazy on the other side of the world that spilled over to America and the rest of the world, it's time to give your life to Jesus. He can give you eternal life. Life. Wife, will you close this item prayer, please? Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Father, for your word, for your mercy, your grace during this time. Father, we just lift your name on high. And Father, we pray for all the listeners today for protection, Father God, that you would bless them, that you would protect their families. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember, there was a kingdom given to Jesus, glory, and every language served him. If you want to give your life to Jesus, today is a day. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. If you're a backslider, say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to get right with you. Bless me, Lord God, and send me on my path. Let me be a light in this dark world. Let me be a light. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day to repent and get right with God. We love you guys, and we want to thank all of those that participated in the event that we had last week. Woohoo! Powerful. Um, let freedom reign. Jesus loves you, and so do I. And we'll see you next week. God bless you, and please, please support our ministry by praying for us. We love you. Woo! Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>